District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 200 of the podcast. I can't believe I have recorded and published that many episodes. Crazy how time flies. And we're not even on the third anniversary yet, which is actually just about a few weeks away in early September. But thank you so much for tuning to the podcast for listening, subscribing, downloading, giving us your ears and your consideration as I try to break down and bring on guests to talk about what is happening across conservation, energy, gun rights, and everything relating to the great outdoors and in between. We focus largely on what stems from Washington, D.C., the different state legislatures. I bring on people who are power players and also who are up-and-comers. I think it's important to be well-rounded, and we do our job here and trying to succeed in that goal. I have several topics I want to talk about today. We're going to largely talk about National Shooting Sports Month, which is just kicking off. We're going to talk about actually a great underappreciated Olympic sport that is kicking ass and taking names in Tokyo right now, the USA shooting team. We're going to talk about the importance of holding lawmakers, government officials, and groups that get government-backed subsidies, holding them accountable, and why the important work of two reporters, past guests of the show, Stephen Gutowski and Matthew Foldy, is especially important, and why they shouldn't be threatened by individuals, and how government accountability should be nonpartisan and that people should not be immune from scrutiny if they're engaging in questionable behavior. So that is what we're going to talk about today on the podcast. To kick off episode 200 festivities, I want to briefly touch upon the fifth annual National Shooting Sports Month. Every August for the last few years, National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is the trade association representing firearms manufacturers and ammunition manufacturers, hosts this educational month to Make sure that new gun owners and seasoned gun owners alike are partaking in shooting sports safely, that we're trying to increase our fold with new gun owners and shooting sports enthusiasts, and also to prepare for hunting season as well. doesn't hurt because you are largely using rifles and shotguns when you are hunting. It's also to educate people about safely storing your guns, about the importance of education and training and constantly reinforcing that and making sure that education remains a primary concern for the gun industry, firearms industry, and shooting sports enthusiasts because we see the media and we see detractors of gun rights bungle this so much. They lump shooting sports enthusiasts with criminals, deliberately, of course. Every month should be National Shooting Sports Month, but the fact that August is dedicated to this occasion is something ought to be celebrated. Because we don't have a friendly administration in place right now, the government is not going to be promoting this, unfortunately. We had the past administration under the two most recent interior secretaries promote and encourage safe shooting sports activities during August. So we'll make up for the difference outside of government, which is great in national shooting sports in particular. But if you are a gun owner like myself and you have the opportunity to introduce someone new to shooting sports, Take time during this month to do so. My schedule is a little packed, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. I'll probably do some educational videos kind of encouraging people, but my travel schedule is so busy, so I don't think I can personally do it. But if you have the ability to introduce someone new, take them to the range, indoors or out, showcase how safe it is to use firearms, the importance of knowing all the safety rules, 
why we take gun storage very seriously, why we don't engage in criminal behavior, and so much more, and ways that you can learn about it. You can go to nssf.org. You can also go to letsgoshooting.org to learn more, to get your gun range. Also, if you're a gun ranger and a FFL dealer, you guys can participate as well. They have some great incentives. In previous years, they've had contests incentivizing people to take someone new to the range. So you will see that as well, but I will link to everything that I've mentioned in the show notes, but happy national shooting sports month. Let's see if we can continue to increase and seize upon this moment. We have a historic number of new gun owners and we can use this time to help bring them into the fold, to help get them properly trained, to help get them aware of their situation. And if people are interested to learn more about concealed carry options and ways to help multiply our efforts. Speaking of shooting sports, at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, we are seeing the USA shooting team dominate so far. As of this recording, and I'm recording Saturday, we have had six medals awarded to Team USA for shooting. There have been three gold medals, two silver medals, and one bronze, and there's still some outstanding competitions to be had. We have seen a lot of women winning We had Madeline Berno winning the bronze. We have Amber English winning gold. Kaylee Browning won a silver medal in her trap event. Vincent Hancock winning a gold medal. Brian Burroughs winning a bronze medal. And also William Shaner winning a gold medal as well. And I bet we're going to see more. So if you want to cheer on some sport in the Olympics, if you're a little bit disappointed with how the, the event is going, you can have some confidence in Team USA relating to shooting sports. So they are kicking ass, taking names, and that is really cool to see because that sport has been so demoralized on the Olympic level. I've talked to different people who have competed in the past and they want to move away from that sport and they want to eliminate uh, it entirely. Some individuals are, but I think there's obviously proof that you should never eliminate shooting sports. And it goes to show that it is a very versatile field and that people enjoy it. It is safe, responsible, and these athletes work their heart outs, train a lot, and really know how to be sportsmen, patriotic, and represent the United States really well. So kudos to Team USA for taking a lot of medals so far in relating to, in relation to shooting sports. Kudos to all the athletes who have taken medals home so far and to those who are still competing for outstanding medals. It's undeniable that trust in American media is at all-time lows today. But that doesn't mean you can't support the work of great writers and journalists across energy, environment, shooting sports, and the like. And I want to talk about two journalists who you guys are probably familiar with, having listened to them here on the podcast, most recently with Matthew Foldy of the Washington Free Beacon and formerly of the Free Beacon 2, Stephen Gutowski of The Reload, which is a phenomenal read for all your firearms-related news. There are individuals and companies, however, who do not like their reporting. Government officials are not immune from criticism. Sadly, whenever there are democratic administrations in place, they don't like getting criticized. They don't like being challenged by members of the press who don't agree and go lockstep with their agenda. And it's not to say that all mainstream reporters do just do their bidding in PR efforts, but many of them are 
don't want to challenge Democratic officials in all forms of Congress. They don't want to challenge entanglements in very suspicious companies because they're buddy buddies with a lot of people in the White House. And you don't really see this dynamic under Republican administration really challenging the Biden administration. And so when you see reporters like Foldy and Gutowski putting out really informative work that is backed up, that is highly sourced, that is legit. They're not just creating sources out of thin air. They talk to people, some of them who remain anonymous. They request FOIAs. They talk to as many people as possible. They talk to people on both sides of an issue. And you see different individuals calling them propaganda artists, engaging in misinformation. If they're on the receiving end of these attacks, it means that their work is impactful. Now, I want to read for you what Proterra said about Matthew Foldy. So they put out a statement in relation to his reporting work. And actually, Foldy informed me before the podcast went live, just a few hours before, that Proterra was calling his work mischaracterization, calling his reporting home a partisan news blog. And here's somewhat of their mission statement relating to their bus fleet in California. So it said, Dear Proterra customers, partners, and friends, we're writing to set the record straight about mischaracterizations about our company and recent partisan news blogs that are opposed to the widespread adoption of zero emission vehicles. We're extremely proud of the role Proterra has played in pioneering the battery electric bus market in North America. Our zero emission battery electric transit buses have displaced more than 100 million pounds of CO2 tailpipe emissions while meeting the essential transportation needs of more than 130 communities across North America. And so Foldy responded to this and you can see his reporting work. This is the company that he mentioned is tied to Energy Secretary Granholm. And it's somewhat being compared to Solyndra from the Obama years. It's not at that level quite yet because there's a lot more scrutiny awarded to it, but there is some double dipping going on there. And there's a lot of controversy surrounding that. And the fact that so many reporters are not really crediting Foldy with this, they are kind of slightly touching upon this issue now because they have to, Politico in particular. But we should highlight the good reporting work. And if it happens to come from a conservative-leaning website, it shouldn't be denounced or it shouldn't be dismissed. There are many great reporters, investigative reporters on the right who do phenomenal work. And Foldy and Gutowski are one of them. And also, Stephen, for his work in exposing kind of the fault lines and the difficult road ahead for ATF nominee David Shipman, the president of Brady United formerly, Brady campaign, Chris Brown said, this is truly unconscionable and I need to speak out. Look, we know the reload is an extremist rag designed to pedal, she misspelled pedal like a bike pedal, gun lobby lies. And these desperate and baseless allegations about POTUS nominee David Chipman are truly low, even for them. Thread and gun violence, Brady buzz, etc. So Stephen responds, the president of Brady United responds to my report on ATF agents corroborating the existence of a complaint against David Chipman allegedly making racist remarks by attacking the reload as an extremist rag designed to peddle gun lobby lies. And Stephen has a great report on this that Chipman has a problem with some racist remarks and it is recorded and corroborated by several ATF agents who some of them had to be anonymous for fear of retaliation. And this stems from Chipman's time in the Detroit ATF office. And I'm going to link to that report for you. And Stephen also followed up by saying, I'm less interested in smears against the reload than I am in answers to the questions raised by the ATF agents I spoke to. David Chipman admits that there were complaints against him. The first agent claimed there was over racist comments. I found two more who heard the story 
And Stephen had also tweeted, I reached out to the White House for comment from David Chipman, but as the story says, they never responded. I think transparency is in the public interest. People deserve to know what was in the complaints, especially given the claims from ATF agents. And if you don't know what is currently the update related to the confirmation saga, Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, has demanded for his nomination to be withdrawn and also for them to have another hearing relating to his confirmation resulting from Stevens' reporting and the revelations made by these ATF agents who worked alongside Chipman. So people are afraid, especially government officials on the left, are afraid to be challenged. They refuse to be transparent despite saying otherwise. And yes, some center-right conservative reporters may... It may be coincidental that they these reporters are center-right, but good reporters are good and trusted and needed regardless of politics. I have leaned on different reporting from people I disagree with. I think it's important that conservative reporters or center-right reporters get the same respect that we treat many mainstream reporters who are deserving of our respect, and many are not, unfortunately. But it doesn't matter your partisan bent or what your past affiliations are. Stephen being pro-Second Amendment should not make him any less legitimate. He brings on people on both spectrums of the gun issue. He has gun control supporting law professors come on to talk about their research on mass shooting events. Foldy has talked to and tried to speak with Granholm's office. He reaches out to them to try to give them leeway to comment. They refuse. So it's not like because they have center-right affiliations or maybe support conservative positions that they're any less legitimate as reporters. So that is kind of my spiel on this. We will bring them on back to the podcast as events necessitate. Foldy will try to be a regular to give us an update on Proterra. Steven likes coming on, and I may go on his Reload podcast very soon, but good reporters are very rare, and it's important to hold government officials, candidates for different positions to lead government agencies and also to question companies that may have dealings with the government. A housekeeping note I want to make sure you guys are aware of. Tomorrow, we're going to bring on Cody McLaughlin to talk about how he is adjusting to life in Alaska. I don't think he has any regrets moving up there. He's been doing a lot of salmon fishing. He just formally adopted Stormy, the Husky mix that he mentioned previously on the show because a anonymous donor did it on his behalf on the condition that he adopt the dog. It's a great story. We're going to talk about some trending news relating to fishing, hunting, shooting sports, and the like. So you do not want to miss tomorrow's episode with Cody McLaughlin. I think you're going to enjoy listening to him. He has some great insight into public policy matters. He's kind of like me in male form, but a little more with a Jersey twist. But he's awesome, and I love bringing him back to the podcast. So stay tuned for that if you guys are interested. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds, all of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. Stay tuned for the next episode. Really appreciate you listening to District of Conservation.